Hey guys, this is Molly. Today we're talking about what I've learned through divorce. Today's gonna be heavy, and if you are in a struggling marriage, you're gonna wanna listen to this. And even though it's gonna be heavy and hard hitting, I hope that you go away encouraged, hopeful, and filled with some tools and some things to think about. Because if anything from my experience that I've gone through, I would love to help other people realize that divorce is not the only option. And if that is a road that you go down, there's a godly way to pursue it. So that's what we're talking about today. Well, happy Monday, guys. We're finally here on part two of this series. If you didn't listen to last week's uh, talk on what I've learned through marriage, this is kind of a follow-up. If you felt like last week was maybe like a little lighter and you're like, man, I'm really having struggles here in my marriage, um, today we're getting full on into that. This is part two of this series, but I would encourage you to listen to part one before you listen to today's. So check that out. That was last week's. Um, When I started preparing this talk, I want you guys to know that I take this matter of me talking about divorce very seriously. I know that when we are gifted in the area of teaching, we have a huge responsibility to make sure that we are sharing the truth and we are sharing what God's word says. And so I want you guys to know that I... I'm careful with the words I'm sharing, but I want to also be very clear. I felt like today there was two things I wanted to share with you guys. First, we're going to talk about some, almost some lies that we have about divorce. Some things that can lead us down the road to divorce. Negative things that we're thinking or saying or doing that are not going to help anyone's marriage. But also, after I talk about that, I want to follow it up with... Well, I got a question from one of you guys on Instagram, and it really sparked me thinking about how could I share this effectively? The question was, how do you know if it's time to leave a marriage? And I thought, yes, I want to answer that question. And I thought deeply about how can I share the right way to express God's truth on the topic of divorce? And I I really am going to lay it out very clearly because... I think there's a lot of confusion about divorce as a believer, when it's the right time, and there's a lot of lies around that. And so I'm going to share what I believe God's word says. So that's going to be near the end. It's going to be a very clear kind of like a step-by-step. This is the process. This is a way to work through um, separation and divorce in a godly way. So stay for that. That will be the part, kind of the second part of what I'm talking about today. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about my background. I know I've shared this a couple times, but I feel like it's important to share, especially if maybe this is your first time listening to the podcast. If it is, welcome. I'm so glad you're here joining this community of Mondays with Molly. My background is that I am divorced. I've been divorced for almost a year now, but I was separated for three and a half years before um, being divorced. So it's been now about four and a half years. And, you know, a lot of things happen in that amount of time. And there's a lot I have learned. There's mistakes I've made, things I've regretted, and things that I've looked back and said, thank you, Jesus, that you guided me and you led me and that I had wisdom and advice from others. 
But the reason I'm getting into this whole topic of divorce is because I want to help encourage other marriages to possibly prevent divorce. I would never wish this upon anyone else. And also, I know that, you know, sin happens. Divorce does happen sometimes. And I want to be able to help people know how to go about it in a godly way. So if you came on to listen to this podcast, if you were hoping that I was going to share like the, you know, the juicy details of my divorce, I'm sorry, you know, that's not what I'm getting into today. I'm really getting into sharing some tools to help people in their marriages. I'm I'm very aware that my story is not just my story to tell. And so everything that I share is always from my perspective and very carefully chosen what I share. So getting into this first part of what I'm talking about today are some very negative things we can either say to our spouse or maybe we don't say it out loud, but we think it in our minds and these can be so detrimental to our marriage. First one is the phrase, maybe we should get a divorce. This can be so unhealthy to a marriage. The words, maybe we should get a divorce, should never come out of your mouth when you're in an argument. And one thing I learned through marriage and separation and divorce is how important it is to watch your words. Because really, you can't take something back that you said in anger. You can ask forgiveness for something that you've said, but those words that come out of your mouth are always going to be said. You can't unsay them. You know, Proverbs 1019 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I don't know if you've ever experienced maybe when you're a kid bullying or maybe it was a family member or somebody who said something to you that just cut you to the core. And even though it happened years ago, it's something that you never will forget. I know I've had some things, there was like a phase in my life in my school years, I think it was junior high, where I had some things said to me from other kids that hurt deeply. Well, imagine what it feels like when your spouse has said something to you that just cuts you to the core. Usually your spouse knows you the best. And if they say something or you say something to them, that's those are words that can hurt deeply. And I look back and I know I said some things in anger that I regret. And of course, the first way to make amends is to always apologize. But if you can avoid that and watch your words and watch what you say, that can go a long way. That can just prevent the problem up before it even starts. The second thing is, saying to your spouse, I don't love you anymore. Again, those words can cause really negative effects. And really, we have to realize what love is. Love isn't a feeling. You know, it's not that butterflies in your stomach when you're dating and you just like are just obsessed with being around that person 24-7 and you just think that they're the most perfect person in the world. When you get married, you realize your spouse has failings and sometimes they bother you and sometimes they really hurt you and sometimes you really hurt them. But all throughout that love has to be a choice. And the funny thing is, and I think God designed it this way, is when we choose to show love to someone, no matter, despite how we feel, feelings will follow. And so saying the words, I don't love you anymore, is really not 
a feelings-based thing. It's a choice. It's a choice to say, I don't love you anymore. Another thing that we can say is, I don't think I can ever forgive you for this. Sometimes in marriages, things are done or said that can be so painful. And in our own human will and our own human strength, it can feel like I can't ever forgive you for the, for whatever you did. But as a believer, that's not God's plan. Bitterness also just pushes two people apart. But forgiveness is something that builds bridges out of brokenness. And really, forgiveness should always be given and as well as asked for if you're the person in the wrong. Even if your relationship can never be the same and it ends in divorce, we can always choose to forgive because of how much Christ has forgiven us. And forgiveness is something that is amazing because when we choose to forgive or we choose to say, I'm sorry for what I've done to you, it softens our anger and helps our heart to remain open to that person. And I learned so much about forgiveness through divorce. Like I said, not only giving it, but also asking for it and how vital that was. Moving on to number four, this one might surprise you, but it's a phrase, I don't need counseling because it costs way too much money and I don't have that bad of a problem. Well, I am a huge proponent of counseling. I think it's actually one of the best investments you can put into your marriage. And it's really important to do before you have a major blow up. So many people go to counseling and I look back at this in my own life as a regret, waiting until there's a huge major issue and you're trying to do damage control instead of preventative measures. And this, I look back on in my own marriage, should have been my guidelines for things. And that is if you have a disagreement that you keep coming around to, keep coming around to, and you can never find a solution between the two of you, that is the time where you need to get outside help. Because if you're not able to solve that with your spouse and it continues being an issue, then really it's time to get outside help. Now I know counseling costs a lot of money, but when you think about it, how much, how often do we spend money like going to get coffees every day or going out to dinner or going on an overnighter when we could in turn use some of that money to invest in the long-term health and benefits of your marriage and also your personal emotional health. And you know what? If it comes to it where you are like, we don't have money, ask your family for help. I know that so many families would love to support other people's marriages, their family members' marriages. You know what? I am even going to counseling this next week because I realize I still need it. And all so many of us could benefit from that. And really, I wish that more couples did counseling even before they got married for I know a lot of churches do premarital counseling but I'm talking about going to like a licensed counselor where you can talk through issues and figure out maybe some problems that you may have that you didn't think you would have getting into marriage and then finding some solutions before you're married anyways counseling is huge and don't ever make the excuse that it costs too much money because investing in your family, in your life, in your heritage and like basically also investing in your kids is like you can't, you can't put a price tag on that. 
Okay, the last lie is, I will be so much happier if I get a divorce. And let me tell you, divorce is not like how they show it in the movies. I've lived through divorce. Ask anyone who's gone through it. And it's not like a suddenly, oh, my life is so happy now and everything's great. And no, there's long-term, lifelong damages from divorce. You know, God can bring beauty out of brokenness, and I've seen him do that in my life. But also, there are lifelong effects of divorce. And really, from what I have gone through, if anything, I've I've really seen why God said that marriage is meant to be lifelong. You know, in Genesis 2, 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And also in Matthew 19, 6, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting from that Genesis passage. He says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So really, di- what divorce is, is basically the ripping apart of one flesh. Because in marriage, like it says in the passage, you become one flesh. It's the ripping apart of a family. And God didn't design it to be that way. And it, it causes a lot of chaos. And what's so hard about divorce is that as it tears apart a marriage, the children really receive the brunt of it. They're the ones that receive the most negative effects because, you know, when you get divorced, maybe you go on and you get married to someone else and you create a new life with a new spouse. But to children, the mom and the dad, that's always going to be their parents, no matter if you get remarried to someone else. And so they really receive the brunt of it. And so I think it's so important to not be glamorizing divorce at all. And that's a big reason why I'm doing this podcast is there's no glamorous side to divorce. Now, sometimes divorce does happen. And sometimes that is the choice that God will lead you to. And I'm going to get to when that is, when that is the reason, or sorry, I can't say that when I'm going to get to when and how to know if that is what God is leading you to do. But I just want it to be clear that divorce is not glamorous at all. Okay, so we're moving on to really the very clear laid out steps to this question of how do I know if it's time to leave a marriage? And I want to thank whoever asked me that question. I really appreciate that because I don't know if I would have gone into this much detail, but I, I think that um, I think that the Lord does want me to share. So my first answer to this question is probably not as soon as you think it's time to get divorced. Probably not as soon as you think. And what I mean by that is nowadays we kind of think as, okay, if you're having problems, you can't work through them, major issues, then first step, did you hear me snap? First step is divorce. That's the only option. And I really think as a believer, even if you have biblical rights to divorce, there is a clear laid out path that you need to slowly work through before you jump to divorce. So first we're going to get into what are the biblical reasons for divorce. Now, I know that there is some disagreement about this, but I'm going to read to you scripture. 
I'm going to tell you what I believe the scripture says, and a lot of biblical scholars do as well, and then we're going to move into there. But I encourage you to look up these passages yourself and discern God's truth yourself. Okay, so the two passages I'm reading from first is in Matthew 19.9. This is Jesus talking and he says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So the first reason we have is sexual immorality. That is a biblical reason for divorce. The second reason is in 1 Corinthians 7.15. And it says, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. So a lot of biblical um, theologians, pastors use the word desertion in regards to this. So if your spouse has deserted you, they've left the house, they want a divorce, or they don't want to be married to you anymore. That's a biblical grounds for divorce. But I do want to say that both of these reasons, even if they're going on in your marriage, doesn't mean that you have to divorce. And I would encourage you to be very cautious, even in these situations, to get divorced because there could possibly be the ability to resolve and work through even very painful things like sexual immorality and the spouse leaving you and deserting you. But first... Before I get into more of that, I want to talk about two, a couple things that come up in our minds when we talk about divorce that isn't really clearly mentioned in the Bible, but these are things like abuse. What if you're in a physically or emotionally abusive situation? What about addiction, drugs, alcohol, porn? What if that's going on in your marriage? What about other problems that are putting your marriage under just intense, great distress? Does that mean that we have to stay in it? And first I want to say, if you're in an unsafe situation, get out. Get out of your house. And I really believe that separation, I'm not talking about divorce now, I'm talking about separation where you're not living with your spouse, but you are still married. Separation can be a really great tool and a a really good opportunity to be able to work through things while not living with your spouse if it's just not a healthy, good situation to live with your spouse. I also want to mention, because I think a lot of people don't know about this, but in our courts, in, in United States law today, we have the ability of legal separation. And that's what I did um, before divorce. So legal separation means that your finances are separate. Um, you have a parenting plan, just like you do in divorce. And, you know, specific times for seeing the kids, your finances are completely separate. So if one spouse is getting into debt, you're not going to be responsible for that after you have been legally separated. And it still means that you're married. You're not. So this is not time to like go off dating and start meeting people. You're still married, but you are separated, legally separated. You know, the Bible talks about in that same 1 Corinthians passage Uh, Chapter 7, a few verses earlier, it says, The wife should not separate, this is verse 10, from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. So I think a big purpose for separation is continuing to seek reconciliation. And I really want to go through this step-by-step process of if you are having really big marriage problems whether it's sexual immorality, they've left, they're not living in the home, they're saying, I don't want to be married to you anymore. 
or these abusive situations or these addictions. In all of these scenarios, even if even though the first two are grounds for divorce, I would really encourage you to work through this process before you just jump to divorce or even before you jump to separation. Okay, so here's how the process starts. Number one is confront confront your spouse if there is sinful behavior going on. Number two is if they if you've confronted them and there's no change in behavior, bring this struggle that's going on in your marriage and bring it to your church family and ask for guidance from your pastor. And I'm taking this from, I'm taking this kind of method from the Bible. So this is what it says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So really this passage is actually saying first you confront, then you bring two or three people along with you, and then you bring it to the church. So that's a specific outline which I guess I didn't say the middle the middle step is bringing two or three people with you but it's important that you follow this process I think a lot of times divorce kind of happens between two people and they have not gotten their church involved they haven't even let their pastor know what's going on and that is what the church community is for that's what your pastor is there for to help you when you're under these crisis situations to kind of be a mediator and give you guidance and give you wisdom And even if your spouse doesn't want to go with you to talk to the church, talk to the pastor, go by yourself, ask him, explain to him what's going on and get wisdom and guidance. I also think that going to, like I mentioned earlier, going to counseling, even if you're going by yourself, do that. Go and get outside wisdom before you just jump to, we need to get divorced or even we need to get separated. But this is a very important process that needs to be followed. And I know that it sounds overwhelming doing all these things and it sounds scary. But really, when you look back, you don't want to look back on your marriage if you get a divorce and say, why didn't I try more? Like, why didn't I tell other people what was going on? Why didn't I ask for help? Maybe there would have been a different outcome. You want to have a clear conscience in such a huge decision like this. Okay, so what if you are separated and it's not creating change? Or what if you have these biblical reasons for divorce and you want to work things out, you're willing, your heart is open to work things out, but there's no change happening? Again, here's another process that I have um, that I think is, is important to follow is number one, pray and ask God for wisdom. God, um, you know, I know in your word that I have biblical reasons for divorce. This is, I'm only talking about when you have biblical reasons for divorce. Um, while you're praying, say, God, I know I have biblical reasons for divorce, but is this your will for me to do this? And also read the word, making sure you are in line with God's reasons for divorce. And do not move forward with the divorce until you have peace. Peace from God. Not Other people telling you, yeah, time to move on, go get a divorce. You need to be right with you and God having peace that he has told you it is time. 
and give it time. Give it time. If that's anything I could just lay, like, lay it out there and make it very clear is give it time. I know that when you're hurt and you're angry and things are just intense, that it's so, you want immediate results. You want, you don't want to deal with this heartache anymore and you want to move on with your life. But I really believe that God's plan often in making huge, large decisions is giving it time and not making a decision until you have God's peace and God's rest. Is it possible to work through and still have a healthy marriage in the long run if you're dealing with these major issues? Yes, it is possible. By the grace of God, he can work a miracle. And so give it time for God to work. And and maybe, you know, we're responsible for our own actions and we're responsible for how we respond to God's calling on our life. And so maybe your spouse, they're not going to respond to God's pulling on their heart to make changes. And then that would be the time to move forward with divorce. But I really would encourage you to always have in the back of your mind is, will I look back on this years from now and regret that I just didn't wait a little bit longer? That's what I just, I really feel needs to be shared. And um, I know some of you might be saying, Molly, my goodness gracious, why are you making this such a huge deal? Like it's just divorce, it's just fine. And can I just say that those words, why are you making this a big deal, are are said out of naivety of to of the grievance of divorce. You know, God's word says God hates divorce, and he really does because it rips apart families. And divorce does happen sometimes, and sometimes that the, that's a decision that is God's will for you. But I really think in so many cases giving it more time and submitting it to God and submitting yourselves under the leadership of the church can often make a huge difference. Um, There was a quote that I read that I thought was really great and really lined up with what I'm sharing today. It says, although divorce is always the result of sin, divorce in itself is not always a sin and not everyone in a divorce situation is guilty of sin. It's kind of a negative thing, I think, in the Christian community that we look at people who are divorced sometimes as like, oh, like they must have done something wrong. They must have done like the unforgivable sin. And um, we judge them on that. But I think a lot of times we forget that like sin is sin with God. And divorce is one of those things that's kind of up in front center. Like for example, me, if I meet somebody and I say I'm a single parent, then people are going to either think, okay, well, she never was married or she got divorced. And I usually, you know, if people ask me, I'm upfront and honest with them. Um, but it's kind of one of those front and center things like, oh, you're divorced. Oh, but sin is sin with God. And I think I wanted to just say this as a side note that we have to be really careful in Christian communities to not judge everybody and put them in a lump sum and say, oh, like, you must have not worked hard on your marriage. And I, I think I was kind of in that boat before I got divorced and before I met other friends that have gone divorced. And then I realized that it's much more complex than what we sometimes uh, attribute divorce to, that it's always because someone didn't try hard enough. And and if you've gotten divorced and if you're like me, I know that uh, sometimes divorce is is what God 
has led you to. And maybe you're listening to the things I've shared and you're like, I got a divorce, but it wasn't for those godly reasons. And I want to say with Christ, there's always forgiveness. And I'm not sharing these things to make you feel bad about yourself. Yes, maybe it's leading you to repentance, but the reason I'm mainly sharing these things is to encourage people to not go down that road unless they have God's, I wouldn't say God's blessing, but God's approval of it because that is just so important and divorce is not to be taken lightly. I just want to end this whole topic coming back to the issue of forgiveness and I you know I talked about that shortly at the beginning of this talk but I really think that man forgiveness can really change the world it can change a marriage it can change your own heart and forgiveness is really a huge part of like the heart of God and who he is and so I want you to think about this passage that I'm going to read it's a it's in Matthew 18 and it's a parable that Jesus said I want you to think about this in regards to marriage. So here we go. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So 10,000 talents was kind of like a million, actually millions of dollars. So it was, Jesus was saying like this huge amount. So This man owed 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So you get where this story is going here. Jesus is the master and we are the servant. So... Then what happens is when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I think it's denarii, denarii. A hundred denarii was compared to like thousands of dollars. So compare that to the millions of dollars that this man was forgiven. There's an, his fellow servant owes him about thousands of dollars. He seized him and began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I thought this passage related so much to marriage, to divorce, to separation, and the heartache and the deep hurt that happens in marriage. And I want to say that forgiveness is always possible no matter what hurt has been done to you. And I want to push it even farther to say that just like we read in this passage, forgiveness is God's will for you to give no matter what has been done to you. And what 
changes things and what changes our heart and what makes us able to forgive as believers, which forgiveness is really a supernatural thing, is taking a moment and realizing what Christ did for you, what Christ suffered on your behalf. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and for me. I'm getting emotional as I say this because really the power of forgiveness is, is unexplainable and is absolutely amazing. And so many of us close our heart off and we say, I could never forgive you because of what you've done to me. And Jesus is saying, but look, look what I've forgiven you for. Why will you not forgive your fellow believers, your fellow friends, your spouse? Jesus hung on the cross, a man, and a fully man, fully God that was innocent, that was without sin. He suffered the most excruciating death so that you and I could have a right relationship with him. And yet, sometimes we say, I'm not able to forgive that other person. And if we look at it in eternity perspective, no matter what someone has done to us, compare that to what Christ has forgiven us. Christ has forgiven us of so much. And he has given the gift of forgiveness and salvation, making us right with God, something we didn't deserve something we didn't earn, something Jesus never had to do for us, but he did it to us because he loved us. And so it is our calling, it is our duty as believers to forgive. And so that's what I want to end things on. Now, forgiveness, like I said, I want to say, does not mean that your relationship will stay the same with that person, but it does mean that your heart will be in the right place, that you will not be overcome by bitterness. And let me tell you, bitterness will eat people alive, especially in separation and divorce. It will make you a not very nice person because it will eat into other relationships. It will eat into your character and who you are. But beauty is found in brokenness when we choose to forgive and we choose to let go. And so I'm just going to end in prayer like I always do. But this is a very special prayer because I know that, well, Every prayer is special, but I, I just know that marriage is, is an area where Satan just wants to tear people apart and Satan wants to just fill people with lies and with feeling like there's no hope. And with Christ, there is always hope. And so here we go. I'm just going to pray. God, I just pray for anyone right now who's in a very difficult marriage, Lord. I pray that their first thing to do, that they would go and they would seek you. They would ask you for help and that they would just bow their knee to you and say, God, I'm going to follow the path that you would have me to do. I'm going to follow the right process in in dealing with the marital issues I'm having. I'm going to come under church leadership. I'm going to submit myself to your will, what your word says on this topic. I'm going to follow your plan because God, I want to have a right relationship with you. And God, I want, I want your best in this. And, and God, I just pray Lord, that whoever has a marriage that is struggling, Lord, that there would be victory, that there would be healing, that there would be resolution and redemption in their marriage, God. But if that doesn't happen because of the effect of sin, Lord, I just pray that no matter how much someone is hurting, if they are going through divorce, Lord, that they would know that you're walking with them through this, that you love them, and that you have a great plan and a great purpose for them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to thank you guys for coming along on this two-part series, my first ever series here on the podcast. 
about marriage and divorce. Uh, I just pray that God uses this for his glory and uses this to encourage and help bring growth and healing to people's marriages. So thank you for listening. I want to tell you that next week we're going to be talking about something. I'm not letting go on the heavy topics here. We're going to be talking about abortion. So I hope you will come back to hear that next week. Pray for me as I prepare a heavy topic. Thank you guys for being a part of this community and listening and joining and for your support. I will see you guys next week. Okay, bye.